Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 287. We're, co- we're talking Do Resumes Matter? This is Best Served Tableside Volume 3. We're talking about some of the hiring process, horror stories, episode 3 of 8 in this series. Resumes, such a, a gatekeeper tool for the ability for people to get un, un, uh, for people to get employment, excuse me, not unemployment, whole different conversation, important as well. Employment, and a lot of it has gotten very formulaic, and we want to really dig into understanding what's happening with it, how we move on from where we are currently, how we create a more equitable process within hiring and the resumes role within that. So I'm gonna, we got two guests with us uh, in the industry. I'm gonna bring them on one at a time and we're going to touch on kind of a high level thing that's important to them. And then we're gonna dig into some of the, th- the things you know is important to us, the workplace is worth working, really expressing who we are before what we do and dig into all that. So first I wanna bring in Will Salisbury from Dallas. Will, good to see you. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So again, high level question. We're going to dig into all kinds of details, but at a high level resume is kind of where's your head at first instinct on do resumes matter? Um, I mean, I think they matter and they don't matter. It's, uh, you know, just uh, how much importance do you really want to put into the resume versus like what the person is actually going to bring to um, your business or what you're as a business going to give to that person. So, you know, I think just judging things, um, you know, uh, in a way that is like to scale, you know? Um, yeah. So I think, I think it's an important tool for just learning about somebody's past work history, but spending time thinking about like, is it formatted correctly? I think is an absolute waste of time. Yes. And I mean, I got to totally tell on myself there. I, when you get in the system, when you get in the game and you're looking at all these resumes, you start to come up with these clever things that you think are hacks to save you time as you know the hiring chef or whatever, the owner. And so I've totally been guilty of that shit where it's just like, oh, let me think of all these clever ways to like throw your resume in the trash, thinking that that made me better at my job. The reality is I spent no time trying to understand the person on that other side of that piece of paper thinking that I somehow could judge them or sum up their value and potential on a piece of paper is just completely asinine. You get yourself so deep and entrenched in this being efficient time management. So I, I really appreciate what you're talking about there. And we have to do better. We have to be better. So that's what we're going to talk about. So I like that high level. Let's dig into some details. I want to bring Betty in now from Chicago to speak with us. Betty, good to see you as well. You're, you're muted. Okay. Is that better? (laughs) Uh, You are good to go. Appreciate it. So Betty, same question there for you, you know, resumes, do they matter? What's your instinct at the highest level? What's what are you thinking about when you're thinking about the resume? I think they matter. If you do them right. um, It's a great way to 
show off who you are and stand out. So I guess it wouldn't matter if you were applying at maybe a spot where you were instantly going to talk to the hiring manager, but let's say you were going for like a hiring event. I think it definitely makes a difference. Good. Okay. So we need to find out some of the ways that we can stand out. And I think you said the yes. thing that's important, who, who we are. So the thing that's most important to me and everything that we're working on is for me, I call it www.giveashitaboutpeople.com. Something <laughs> somehow seem to forget about. We're very good at taking care of our guests. We forget to take care of ourselves and each other too often. So workplaces worth working is like a fundamental thing that I'm always, always focused on. And finding the right people is absolutely important. This piece of paper as the linchpin in that happening, I want to really understand and evaluate that. So we're going to dig into that through this. And the first the first place that I go, Betty, you said it, is who we are. Yeah. We have to really start to communicate who we are. And what I've recognized, and I'm sure the two of you have seen it as well, it's become so formulaic where we said, don't do this, format like this, don't do this, put your thing here, spell this like this, make sure that's formatted like this, only put it one page. All of these different things, they may or may not be true. But we've spent put so much anxiety on people that basically everybody's resume looks exactly the same. And nobody has the ability to stand out. And if you do, hell, we're made fun of for doing something different. Like, look at this person trying to tell me a story. Look at this person putting up, I don't know, a headshot on their resume. Look at this person doing something different. Who do they think they are? And then we want people to be creative and have be empowered parts of our teams, yet we're not willing to allow them to do anything outside of what's allowed in this eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. So what I want to talk about first is how do we communicate who we are before what we do? I believe that that has to be the quintessential way that we communicate with this resume, this tool that we have, because we have to start hiring for attributes and training for skills. And we keep flipping the script on that. When I ask people and I ask hundreds and hundreds of people, what do you admire in a good coworker? What would you like about Betty and about Will when you work with them? And people are like, they're a team player. They're hardworking. They're functional. They're dedicated, right? They're teachable. Awesome. Then I ask people and the same people will tell me the opposite answer. I was like, what do you base pay and promotions on? They're like the ROI, how much money they make, how efficient they are, how well they manage their time. So I was like, so wait. You hold on a pedestal attributes, yet you show people every single time on the resume, wherever it is, that the only thing that matters is the transactional nature of what you bring to the business, not who you are. So thank you for that rant. That, that felt, <laughs> I felt like I needed to get that out. So Betty, I want to come back to you first to talk about that. How are you seeing a resume? Where do you want to see people first be able to communicate who they are before what they do? Is there that opportunity? Where do you see that opportunity? Um, personally, what I like to do is I do create a cover letter, but if you don't do a cover letter, what I like to do is just to have a little, um, what am I thinking? Like an objective essentially, yep. but it has your, so what I do is I put my own attributes. So I'll put like, um, works well under pressure, energetic, you know, has great wine knowledge, like just little blips in a tiny little paragraph right before the resume. So I think that gives people a better insight of who I am. Yeah. So I, I like that. And I like that there was a couple little personal things because I see the objective and it's like to be part of a hardworking team <laughs> that does blah, blah, blah. It's like in its formulaic. It's like, I've seen the exact same thing. I think you copy and paste that from restaurant resume builder.com. And so I think the being as personal and true to how you interact in that space 
Super important. Okay, I like that at the highest level, focus on the objective being personal, unique to you, that nobody else can copy and paste that. It has to be authentically you. So Will, I wanna to come to you, same question. You know, at, at the highest level, you mentioned resumes are important and they're not. So working within the space of understanding how to communicate who you are, uh, what for you is a place that you want to see people stand out a little bit versus just get lost in the pile of resumes on the desk? See, so like, I just like to make a distinction. Like, you know, when, when I'm putting together a resume for myself, you know, I'm applying to like high level management positions in restaurants, hotels or whatever. In those cases, like, you know, I'm trying to detail out everything that I'm going to bring to that position where, okay. where ROI is important, where, where, you know, uh, I, my job is to make the business money and to be a steward of their business. Um, when I'm looking at resumes or when I'm talking to other chefs that are looking at resumes and they're, you know, talking, if it's a steward position, then, you know, why are you going to spend so much time on it? Like just hire the person that you think is going to fit well and that, um, and that you're going to be able to like, it, it, it's got to go both ways. Like they need to bring something to the kitchen and you need to give something to them and giving something to them more than just a paycheck. Um, you know, maybe like, you know, whether some people just want to live, be stewards, you know, I've, I've actually had people like I had an employee at the last hotel who he's been a steward for 30 years. The man loves wow. his job, absolutely loves his job and wouldn't want to do anything else. Um, so I made him in charge of it and it was, you know, but you know, I, I interviewed him based on him. I didn't interview him based on his his resume. I mean, I saw his resume. I saw he'd been working at the Marriott for 30 years doing the same thing, which I was just like, okay, this guy really knows what he's doing. Um, you know, so I think it just needs to be put into perspective of like the job that they're applying for. You know, uh, I if I see a resume that really stands out, yeah, it stands out. But I also try and put into perspective the fact that like not everyone has the ability to do that. Not everybody has a printer at home. Not everyone has yeah. the Microsoft word skills that yeah. I have, you know, there's different levels that, you know, everyone comes from somewhere else. And, you know, maybe that person that doesn't know how to put together a great resume might be an amazing cook, or even if they're not an amazing cook, they might just be an amazing person, someone that I want to have in the kitchen. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not, you know, I could teach anyone to cook uh, in a restaurant. It's that's the easiest part. <laughs> it's whether or not you can get along with everyone, do your job and, uh, you know, and, and work professionally with people and, and have fun doing it. That's, you know, those are the harder things. Those are the things that you can't really just teach somebody. I could teach anyone to make an omelet, yeah. but I can't teach anyone to just be a good person. Understood. I want, I want to stay with you for one moment because you mentioned something I think is important, the tenure, 30 years. Unbelievable. One of the top things when I ask um, people on the hiring side, you know, what you're looking for is that job history is super important. You know, there's always like, I don't want the person who's been at a place for six months, six months, six months, has gaps, all these things. You hear about those. You then all, simultaneously, you hear about restaurants with like very toxic culture. And sometimes I'm like, if you left a job after three months, and I know that that restaurant has a toxic culture, I might look at you in a higher regard 
because yeah. you have a short term that you're that you value yourself more. So it's interesting. Just longer doesn't necessarily tell you the whole picture. It, Who's accountable for a shorter work period at a restaurant? Is it the restaurant or is it the individual? And shifting that potential responsibility is something I'm fascinated with, Will. So I want to I want to give you that to, to chew on a little bit. And then, Betty, same question for you. I'm very fascinated in the job history, the tenure for you looking at that, how much weight does that hold for you? How long somebody's been with the job? Clearly 30 years, but talk to me more about the six months here, nine months, you know, those kind of things. Where does your head go? It took me a long time to value myself enough to not be willing to suffer in the hands of my employers. Um, you know, uh, every cook that comes up in the kitchens, you know, it's, it's that whole like Anthony Bourdain mentality of like, uh, if I'm not suffering, if I'm not a victim, then I'm not doing something correctly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really want, you know, everything that I try and do with any kitchen that I have anything to do with, I try and flip that completely because I don't want people to feel like they have to be victims. I don't want people to feel like they have to be suffering in order to be learning. Um, you know, people should feel comfortable. People should go to their job happy to go to work, not worried what chef going to do today. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, you know, when when you do and, you know, you see it. Listen, I came out of John Besh's restaurants in New Orleans. We all know what those places. We all heard what that was like working for for those restaurants. They were terrible. Um, And, you know, a lot of people stuck around in a lot of toxic situations. And it was because of, you know, what's going to be on your resume. You know, so I when I see it, yeah. does it look like a red flag? Absolutely. But I do also try and look a little bit deeper and I'll also give somebody a shot. Like I'll, you know, I'll talk to them for sure. Like it's not going to be like a, Oh no, I'm not even going to like call this person. Like I'll call everybody, <laughs> you know, like, I'll, right. especially now, like, you know, or before COVID when it was so hard to find cooks, um, you know, you call everybody, but, you know, and you talk to them about it, like, and I'll just be straight, like, why did you move from job to job? Tell me the, tell me the real deal. Was it terrible working there? Was he a jerk? Like, yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes they'll be honest and, you know, listen, if you're jumping job to job because you're trying to get, um, you know, a 50 cent raise here and there, you know, that's a whole nother conversation about equity and pay in, yeah. the, in the industry. And it's also something else that I understand completely because, you know, working in restaurants and working as a, as a cook, as a young cook and having these, you know, I call it the carrot being dangled in front of the donkey, you know, where it's just like you're being promised promotions and raises really just to keep you showing up every day. And eventually you get sick of it and you're like, you know what, I'm out of here and I'm going to go somewhere else so that I can, you know, so it's like, is the, is the jump because of a, a move to like move up because they wanted to get, they wanted to earn more money because they need to support themselves or they're getting a better job. Is it like a jump up for job position, like going from a chef to party or cook to sous chef or junior sous chef or whatever? Yeah. Or is it just like, is he just one of those like line cooks that goes from opening restaurant to opening restaurant to opening restaurant, demands $18 an hour and then quits after like three months? Yeah, you know, it makes sense. Well, definitely what I hear you saying is like, there's, there's, there's two things. One is the communication. You have to ask questions 
and the shifting of responsibilities, right? You mentioned that you're flipping the script. I mentioned whose responsibility is it for a short tenure and you have to dig into the why of it. And there needs yeah. to be more transparent and open and safe communications. Because also if somebody says, tell me about why you left this job and they're going to blast the chef. Well, then you as the chef are like, wait a minute, is he just going to talk shit about me when he goes yeah. to the next place? Like, so there's, there's, there has not been actual open communication. So I, I really appreciate that. We want to dig into that a little bit more. And Betty, I want to come to you with kind of the same question with that tenure, you know, have you put yourself or seen people that have put themselves in a position where they stay somewhere for a year because they recognize that it's a vulnerability to leave after say three months yet they knew after three days that this wasn't right for them like have you ever seen those scenarios play out i'm interested in your perspective there i've definitely seen those scenarios play out but i think that has more to do with um just knowing your self-worth versus okay so for me personally when i first started out i've jumped jobs a lot because i just keep going to jobs where i can make more money sure. um and eventually you learn you know your self-worth but i think a lot of times in the service industry you are you know working for others essentially so you forget that you don't have to stay in those toxic situations because mm -hmm. by definition you're kind of just being in the service industry is just taking a lot of beatings to get the yeah. tip, laughing when someone's not funny, like lying through your teeth when you're like angry. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. We talk about this a lot on the show where, where restaurants put on a facade straight up. Mm -hmm. It is our job to put on a facade. You leave your shit at the door. You put on a smile. It's part of your uniform, right? Like <laughs> all of these things are because you're trying to create a scenario in which the guest always has the best experience possible, no matter what's happening with you. And I think, again, strength and vulnerability in the, in the same breath is like, yeah, the ability to rise above and create an, a memorable experience and a delicious dish is absolutely a strength. Yet to say that we're not allowed to have feelings, ups and downs, because we have to leave our shit at the door, huge vulnerability that restaurants have allowed the, the sales to put them in, because nobody, nobody, wants to have that hard conversation. And then we know what happens. We go and get fucking drunk at the end of the shift. And then we can talk about our feelings, right? So these things play out. And it's interesting because the resume like tells you a little bit of that story. So I appreciate hearing that. For, for you, Betty, when you're, when you're looking at you know your own resume, have you found then that you're not putting certain places on because you don't want to show the fact that you have jumped around, like how do you navigate that when you're actually building your own resume? So I put every place I've worked, um, I'm amazing at resumes. So I've figured <laughs> out how to make it work. And honestly, it took like hundreds of hours to do my resume, seriously. <laughs> but basically um, what I do is I do an accomplishment based resume. So no matter where I worked, I'm a good employee. There's something I've accomplished. So for example, when I worked at Hooters, I, uh, oh God, this is, it was fun. It was a fun place. Um, <laughs> so I do accomplishment based um, bullet points on mine. And one of the things I said was train 10 new employees to consistently adhere to policies and perform um, duties. So even though I hated Hooters, <laughs> I still did good things there. Um, I can still put that on the resume, you know? That makes sense. I like, so I like what you just did there. There was specifics. Yes. 10 that's people. What I mm -hmm. 10 people. Now I have an expectation of I can have a real conversation with you. It's not just a bunch of a bunch of 
buzzwords that you threw out there because again you're like oh i'm efficient and proficient and i enhance and i develop and these different words that we use to be like wow you must be really good at that you specifically hired and trained 10 people you trained 10 people excuse me so i think there's something about being specific that allows the conversation to happen once again it's like what you're talking about is now you can have a direct conversation about something that does bring value through the achievement versus it just being a line item that says i'm kind of good at something and i'm just saying that because other people on other resumes have said that so i want to feel like i also can fake it until i make it and just throw it on the resume but you we're specific on that. I like that. Will, I want to come to you real quick too on that specifics, anything you're looking for, anything you're throwing out. I really like the 10 people. It just yeah. shifts. No, the, the I mean, that sounds, that sounds awesome. And I actually put a lot of time and effort into my resume too, because I like it. I'm neurotic. So I like it to look nice and clean and I like the formatting. The two and, of you have a similar style when it comes to resume <laughs> building. Uh, you know, mine mine doesn't maybe have a lot of flair, but it, it's definitely very like clean. You know, there's uh, uh, serif fonts. Like, I, you know, I like it to look nice. Um, you know, and for me, what I put, you know, I like I liked the, the goal, like, you know, the achievement oriented thing. I, I like to put things that I've learned. Like, this is what I learned working here. Um, you know, and that's actually become more, more important as I've worked up, you know, when I started working as like a junior sous chef, a sous chef, you know, chef, you know, a executive sous chef. So like working in like higher positions, um, putting what I learned became more important than what, like, uh, for me, you know, so that's what I, I started to focus on. Now, if you look all the way back at the bottom of my resume, when I was like, um, like a, a chef to party at a, a, some restaurant on Nantucket, you know, like I, I, I don't really, nobody cares what I did yeah. a decade ago, you know, <laughs> at, at this restaurant that, that nobody cares about. Like, you know, so it's just like, I, listen, I was a chef to party there. I worked from this time to this time. Um, you know, these are the stations that I worked. And I keep that simple, but like, as it's become more, as I've gained more responsibilities in kitchens and restaurants, I put the different things that I became responsible for and, you know, what I learned and what I was able to implement so yeah. that, you know, they can ask me questions about that. I think that's, I think that's really good. I, th I like the idea of having an understanding that not every job has to be the job where you change the game completely. Yeah. They can just be a job and that's okay too. I think that's fascinating. And one of the things I hear when I, I hear you speaking about that, when I think about resumes, when I look at resumes is I want to find those attributes and some of those skills. And I want to see the culmination of those across the work that you've done. Because a lot of times we're saying the seven, same seven things on every job because we did those things. But it's like, I get it. You know how to do food cost. I don't care anymore after the fourth job that you told me that. So thinking about that composition, I think is interesting. I want to, I want to end with this because we've been talking about the resume and now I want to tell you guys my, my, my secret agenda is I want to throw all resumes in the trash forever and never have another resume ever again. That is my goal in, <laughs> in this industry. I want to think about, look, a piece of paper, if that's the way that you communicate, should absolutely be something that you showcase. I'm starting to see and think that 
our communication styles are ever shifting and they're way more nuanced than a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that says mostly the same things. I think giving somebody a job history and some references as an additional tool, almost like upon request, I think there's something there. I want people to start to communicate who they are in the most meaningful way that they communicate. And some people, Will, to your point, they don't have access to things. They don't have the skills, yet they may be have a they may have a great voice that sounds trustworthy and i was like i would love that person to be my server i want to i want to hear that so i've been thinking about this idea of muse bush and i want to come to you guys bite-sized content about who you are and i've seen this where people have gotten jobs for making a tiktok video and telling telling a potential employer this is what i'm about this is who i am and i think our values align i would love to come work with a company like this and i see 27 35 212 Business is going, you are exactly who we're looking for. And getting a job from a TikTok video, it's stupid. It's awesome. It's stupid. I get it. Yet it's a different way of thinking about communicating who we are and putting that out in the world in whatever way. So I wanted to come to you guys. Am I completely off my rocker? Probably. But I think that there's I think that there's something there in the way that we're communicating. So Will, I'll start with you. And then Betty will finish with you, finish the episode. You get the last word. Yeah, I think I think that's super interesting because listen. I, I, I have a good, clean, polished resume because I learned how to do it when I was young. You know, in school we had, we learned how to do it, and then I, you know, continuously I've worked on it, and I've had the resources in my life to learn that skill. Not everyone has learned that skill. Yep. I do not have a TikTok skill, so <laughs> I would be terrible, and I would probably never get a job if it was required to get TikTok. Fair. But I think having like a diverse way of doing it that kind of is able to anybody can show they have skills and that they have something to bring to the table whether it is skills or whether it's just personality or you know just like they're who they are as a person so i think maybe diversifying the ways in which people are able to communicate that is super i think that would be incredibly beneficial to our industry yeah and and will what you're talking about is playing to the strengths that you have, the way that you communicate. We best serve talk about watch, listen, and read. We're trying to put everything in like, are you compelled by visual, by the by the video? Are you compelled by audio and podcast? And you consume, you know, information and inspiration and content that way. Or do you like reading articles and, and books? Are you on Audible? Like, where are you communicating? How are you communicating? I yeah. think we need to start to think about that. And to your point, like, you're really good with the written word. Like that feels comfortable for you. You've trained in it. It's kind of a way that you communicate, you know, and I want to, a, a quick shout out, like get in the comments, everybody, and link to the article that'll be in here because Sophie Breaker, who's behind the scenes now, you don't see her. She runs everything that Best Serve does, right? I just get to come up here and flail my arms around and, and speak, but Sophie Breaker runs everything. And including our blog, Best Served Read, that's a cool platform. Will's going to write a, a couple articles for that where we're sharing more voices. And when we started talking about this episode specifically, and I went on my rants about resume, Sophie asked me sheepishly, what did you think of my resume? And I had to think for a second. I was like, I never looked at your resume. You know what I looked at? The blog you wrote that you left the little like link to it in the bottom. I don't, she didn't even remember that there was a link in her signature to her blog. And I read two blog posts about her going to bakeries. I was like, this is the person that I want to be a part of what we're doing. Because 
this is the person who has so much passion and care for pastries and for the industry and for the written word. That's who I want to run this show. And so we recognize that Sophie wrote an article about it. And I want you guys to read it because the resume did not matter. She's a writer. She spoke her truth. She communicated in the way she communicated. And now she has a job and she runs this little show. And I think it's important. So, um, and I can see her behind the scenes. She's very embarrassed right now. I wanted to give her a shout out. So Betty, I want to finish with you. How we communicate. Is there opportunity for finding different ways to communicate who you are and thinking about content in the way that we're consuming today? Kind of where does your head go? And again, you can tell me I'm completely off base and crazy. I'm used to that. So what do you think? Well, it's always good to be crazy because you don't want to be boring. Um, but that being said, I don't think that's completely outlandish. I do think it'll take time. Yeah. Um, but there are movements towards understanding that there are different types of intelligence now as opposed to just being smart or stupid. So you have your like kinesthetic knowledge, people who are good with like their body. Um, you have interpersonal intelligence, you know, um, linguistic, linguistic intelligence. So that being said, if science is starting to understand that, I don't see why would be so crazy to move towards different formats for hiring people you really do want to see the person as opposed to you know just a piece of paper oh linguistic yes i love it <laughs> different styles of communicating different styles of learning different styles of intelligence i absolutely mm -hmm. there's so much more depth and i think being you know will and i being chefs that's not one thing that's not monochromatic. We're not one thing, right? We're not monolithic. Sometimes we feel like we are, we're not. Server doesn't just have to be bubbly and always put a smile on. You can be nuanced. So I, I really appreciate both of you. Great, great conversation. Really appreciate that. I think for all three of us, more to come for sure. I like the way that both of you are thinking. We need more deep thinkers in the industry. We need to make that okay. We need to put that on a pedestal. And so that's what I really focused on with this. So Will Salisbury down in Dallas, thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And Betty, Chicago, appreciate you as well. Thank you for <laughs> thank being you. on. Thank you. And thanks thank to you. all of you for tuning in. As always, this was Besser Podcast 287. Do resumes matter? They do and they don't. Thank you, Will, for that. Appreciate <laughs> that. That's spot on. And there are going to be more ways for us to communicate into the future. So uh, that is it for today. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.